This morning, we've got up here the Songs of Expectation, that's the series we've been doing. And then it says, Nunc Dimittis, the Song of Simeon. It's called Nunc Dimittis because this uh, part of scripture, this Song of Simeon, was used as a canticle. A canticle is just a piece of scripture that's used as a song in a church service. It was called Nunc Dimittis because it was originally sung in church in Latin, in the Catholic Church, and in the Orthodox Church, and in various churches all over the place. And the first two words in Latin were Nunc Dimittis, which means, now I dismiss. It was a canticle that was often used at the evensong service, or the Vespers, or whatever the evening service was called. So that's just by way of introduction from our title. I'm not the passage that we're looking at where Simeon appears is in Luke chapter two. I'm not going to read the whole passage through, I'm going to read it as we go. Um, because it's one story. I just want to introduce the parts of the story as we're looking at them. But if you want to open your Bibles, it's Luke chapter two and it's then Simeon appears after the birth of Jesus. We've just sung the light of the world, you came down into darkness, and that's brilliant because that's part of what we're looking at today. I don't know if when you were little you told a story that went something like this. I did. So I'm going to tell you it this morning. It went something like in a dark, dark world. There was a dark, dark country. And in the dark, dark country, there was a dark, dark town. And in the dark, dark town, there was a dark, dark church. And in the dark, dark church, was a dark, dark cupboard. <laughs> and in the dark, dark cupboard was Eddie trying to mend the fuse. <laughs> <laughs> All that to illustrate that sometimes it's dark. <laughs> now when Jesus the time we're looking at round about Jesus' birth was a very dark time in history. Mm -hmm. The world was a very dark place. That's no joke, but in reality, when Jesus came as a baby, he came in to a very, very dark place. The children of Israel had not been very obedient, and really out of their disobedience, God had stopped speaking. Jesus tells a parable in Luke 23 that we'll touch on later on about a master who rented out his vineyard and at the end he says he kept sending people to ask and eventually they wouldn't listen to them so he sent his son. That's an illustration of what God was saying. He kept sending the prophets. He kept sending the prophets to speak to the people and they kept saying, no. They listened for a little while and turned their backs on God. And God had stopped speaking. 
No prophetic guidance in Israel for over 400 years. Lots of the different religious groups grew up in that time. Loads of them. All different people grew up. There was all sorts of things that happened. I'm not going to go into all of them. But there was all different kinds of groups and factions. There were religious and non-religious. In fact, in 167 BC, there were Greek rulers, Seleucids, and they actually outlawed Judaism, they banned circumcision, and they offered swine, pigs, on the altar in the temple, which was a desecration. So the Jews had a hard time. They had very little light. They were living in very dark times. And by the time that Jesus was born, Palestine was ruled by Herod, who was really a puppet king under Roman, the Roman Emperor, Roman control. And there were different groups that were involved, religious groups. One of them that had emerged were the Sadducees. And they had their own form of Judaism and were motivated really by commercialism and they were very cynical, cynical commercialization really that they were into. They didn't believe in any resurrection. I'm not sure what they believed in very much to be honest if you look at them. But there were good men among them. There were the Pharisees. Now the Pharisees were good men, a lot of them, who tried to reinforce the laws that were in the Mosaic laws from scriptures, but their problem was they added all their own ones as well. They had a lot of man-made laws that they'd added in. So there was a lot of confusion. What was true Judaism? What was the true religion that they were supposed to be following? It was a very dark and a very confused place. People had all sorts of preconceptions and ideas about what a Messiah would look like. They knew there was one supposed to be coming, that's what they were supposed to believe in. But what would he look like? What would he be? How would he act? They were very confused thinking around. <coughs> Does this kind of world sound familiar? <coughs> Does this walking away from the truth Walking away from righteousness, does this sound familiar? Misrepresentation of a religion, of faith, of Christianity, commercialization, cynical thinking, man-made additions to faith. I think it sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? But you know, God has always had his people. <clears throat> people who have remained faithful, people who were devout, people who were righteous, men and women with a heart after God. Elijah, at one point, thought he was the only prophet left. And God said, huh, hold on Elijah, I've got another bunch of them over here. You're not the only one. There are other people who love you. God opened his eyes. And today, God has his people. In the darkness. There's good news in this as well. Well, it was into this kind of world that Jesus was born. And we're going to have a look now at 
Luke. Mary and Joseph were very ordinary people. And sometimes God works with ordinary people in ordinary circumstances and in mundane circumstances. They were ordinary people who had just had a very extraordinary experience. They'd had angels, they'd had shepherds, they'd had a bad time because they had to stay in a stable. And I think they were just very ordinary people. They're kind of like, okay, now let's get on with living. They had stayed in Bethlehem and they were ordinary people who tried to follow God's laws. There were some of these people who had a heart for God. Mm-hmm. And to follow God's laws properly, they had to take Jesus to the temple. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus. Oh, sorry, this is Luke uh, 21. The name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. When the time of their purification according to the law of Moses had been completed, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. So Mary and Joseph went around their business. Very mundane business, thinking, well, nothing much is going to happen. We have to do this thing. This is what God asks us to do. Off we go to do it. Uh, Forty days they had to wait after the birth, according to the law of Moses. You can look it all up if you're keen. It's in Exodus and Leviticus. I can give you the verses if you like. But... The laws are all there, and they were following on to the letter of the law. They waited the 40 days, and now they've taken Jesus to the temple to make the sacrifice that was required. Do you not think sometimes we're surprised because God works in the everyday? Mm-hmm. We go to work, we come home from work, we look after the kids. We don't expect God to work in the normal everyday, but he does. And sometimes he breaks into the everyday. How many times have you been surprised by a conversation at work that when you think about it, must have been God appointed and God ordained? God is a God of the everyday Mm -hmm. as much as of the unexpected. God is a God of the mundane. Mm -hmm. God is a God who expects us to go about our business, our normal business, and he meets us in the mundane. He meets us in the everyday, and he plans meetings for us. We think they're just like, oh, how did that happen? But you see, God is behind these things. God places people beside us that he wants us to speak to and connect with. We need to be aware of what God wants us to do in the everyday and in the mundane as well as in the exceptional times. God often does more work in reaching others by using each one of us in the everyday. More people are reached. 
often than in the big campaigns. It's interesting, isn't it? God is a God of the everyday. They were just doing what they did, what was expected. Now, we enter into the story that a man called Simeon. Simeon, as far as the Bible is concerned, is a bit of a one-hit wonder. We don't find him again. <laughs> we didn't find him before. And suddenly he's there. We don't even know much about him. He was just a man who was living in Jerusalem called Simeon. But it does say, we'll read the next little bit, that he was devout and righteous. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God. It's just a man mm -hmm. living in Jerusalem. Turns out he was quite an old man living in Jerusalem, but he was a man with a heart for God. He was a man who was in touch with God. He was a man who was listening to God, and he was a man who was waiting for God. God had given him a promise. God had spoken to him. God had said to him, you'll not die before you see the Messiah. That's a very special promise. And Simeon had faith. He had faith to believe the promise that God had given him. And he had hope. He was living in hope and faith. If we read in, first, in Hebrews chapter 11, in the first verse, it speaks about hope and faith. About living in hope and about our faith being the belief that we will see our hope realised. In a sense, we should all be living in faith and hope. Because just as Christ came, he's going to come back again and he's going to redeem us and take us to be with him. Do we have faith for that? Do we have hope for that? Does it generate hope in our lives every day? Are we waiting? Are we people who are waiting on what God's going to do? Do we believe his promises? Do we trust in his promise? People have received promises for bonus. And we have people who are waiting in expectation of what God's going to do here. And they're waiting to see that promise fulfilled. Waiting. Waiting. I was really surprised when I looked at this because I've read, I'm going to read it to you and uh, look further on in Luke 23 about another character that we hear about a lot at Easter time but I've never really noticed this little verse and it's Luke 23, 50 and 51 Now there was a man named Joseph 
a member of the council, a good and upright man, who had not consented to their decision and action. He came from the Judean town of Arimathea, and he was waiting for the kingdom of God. Mm -hmm. Here's another man in scripture who was waiting for God, who was trusting, who had faith in what God was going to do. He was waiting on God and the fulfillment of God's promise. Sometimes blessings happen when we're just doing what we should be doing and when we're trusting. Simeon was moved by the Spirit. Now, that's not in the way that we get moved by the Spirit following Pentecost. The Simeon was moved by the Spirit. The Spirit was upon him like it was upon Elijah and the prophets. There's a wee bit of a difference here. Christ hadn't come. He hadn't died yet. Pentecost hadn't happened yet. So when we read about Simeon being moved by the Spirit, he was moved by the Spirit in the way that Elijah was moved by the Spirit, in the way that Isaiah was moved by the Spirit, the Spirit came upon him that day in a very special way. And Simeon was moved by the Spirit, but you know this, he could have not done it. He could have been a bit disobedient, don't you think? Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit said, today's the day, Simeon, off to the temple. I'm not feeling so well. My old legs are a wee bit sore today. <laughs> I think maybe... No. <laughs> it's not really you telling me that anyway, has it got it? I've waited so long. <sighs> I'm tired. I know you promised me it, but really? Are you really telling me that? Is that really you speaking to me, God? Does that kind of sound familiar? Because I think it's familiar for me. Mm. Nah. That can't be God saying that. I can't say that. He could have reacted that way. But Simeon didn't. He said yes when the Holy Spirit moved upon him. And he went to the temple. And he was given insight by the Holy Spirit to recognize this baby as the Messiah. Now, a lot of Simeon's insight, we read in his song, comes from his study of Scripture and the Word of God. When we study the Scripture and the Word of God, it gives us insight as well. And the Holy Spirit uses it to teach us and to talk to us. It's a good thing to study the Word of God. Mm -hmm. But Simeon took him in his arms and he praised God. Simeon's song was, Sovereign Lord. He gives God his place first and foremost. Sovereign Lord. God is not only God, he says King. You don't call address anybody as sovereign, do you? You only address a king as sovereign. Sovereign Lord, my King, my God, as you have promised, you now dismiss your servant in peace. I can die now, God. Your promise to me has been fulfilled. You can take me. You don't need to use me anymore. You can... My time's up. You can let me go now. 
he can dismiss me. For my eyes have seen your salvation. His eyes had seen the Messiah before he died, but not only for him, but for salvation for everybody, for the world, for this dark world that he was living in. His eyes had seen salvation. Can you imagine his joy? How many years he had been waiting on the fulfillment of that promise? Mm -hmm. What was his joy like? Mm -hmm. When he saw Jesus, he held the Messiah in his arms. How precious was that promise to Simeon? How precious. But you know, in a sense, we're like Simeon too, because we need to see salvation before we die as well. He met with the Christ. And in a very real way, each one of us needs to meet with the Christ before we die. Not in some kind of afterlife, but we need to meet Jesus here and now. While we're in the land of the living, Psalm 23 says, I believe I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. We need to see God's goodness in the land of the living. We need to meet with Christ in the land of the living. We need to see our salvation now. We need Jesus now. Just like Simeon before he died. Praise God. Please God, let our loved ones see his salvation before they die. Please help us to reach people, to show them Jesus, so that they can meet the Messiah before they die. How many people in our town need to meet with Jesus before they die? And taste the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. For my eyes have seen your salvation, says Simeon, which you have prepared in the sight of all people. Here we go. This is beautiful. A light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. The Israelites hadn't seen God's glory for forever, as far as they were concerned. It was over 400 years. Nobody was living. They hadn't seen the glory of the Lord. And here was the Messiah. Here was the one who was going to not only save the Jews, but be a light for the Gentiles. God had stepped down. What that? God had stepped down into a world, into a very dark place to bring light, to bring salvation to bring freedom, to bring redemption, not only for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. This is straight out of Scripture. If you want to have a look, you will find that Simeon is quoted straight out of Scripture. His song comes from the Old Testament, from Scriptures and prophecies that were written long before Simeon's time. And they were just right to be fulfilled. We can go right back to 
Isaiah. Isaiah 42, 6 and 7 says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. He's speaking about the Messiah. And I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, mm. to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, and to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. And that's what Jesus is still about, yeah. setting people free who are living in darkness. For, Isaiah 49, 6 says, It is too small a thing for you to be my servant, to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. God's intention wasn't just for the Jews, but for the Gentiles. And this is Isaiah. Isaiah 60, verse 1 to 3. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is, rises upon you. See, darkness covers the earth, and thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you, and his glory appears over you. Nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. What's yes. spoken so long before? Yeah. And yet they were proclaiming the very thing that had happened that night in Bethlehem. The light of the world had stepped down into darkness to be a light for the Jews and for the Gentiles and praise God to the ends of the earth and into the future and here we are benefiting from all that God had done. But Simeon wasn't finished. After he had spoken to God, after he had praised God, says the child's father and mother marvelled at what was said about them. God was preparing them for all that was to come. He was dropping things in. You know, God prepares us sometimes, and God doesn't prepare us. Uh, My work, I don't know what your work's like, but my work likes to prepare you like, BAM! This is what you're going to do, and when you're going to do it, tomorrow! <laughs> Yay! So you're all going to sit and study all this tonight, and you want to walk into the class and do it all tomorrow! Yes! God's not like that. God prepares our hearts. He drips feeds. He drip feeds. And he gives us little bits at a time, as much as we're able to cope with. Because he's a very gracious God. And God here was preparing Mary and Joseph for things that would come and events that were coming that they needed to be prepared in their heart for. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. It was reinforcing that this was a special child. It was reinforcing all they'd been told by the angels. Then Simeon blessed them, the family together, and said, and turned to Mary, Jesus' mother. And here he gives her a little prophecy all her own. This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel 
and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and his sword will pierce your own soul too. Wow. We've had all the good things. Now Mary's being told that her child, although favoured, is going to suffer. He's going to suffer by people speaking against him. Tricky one. Hard one. He's not going to be. He's going to be popular and he's going to be unpopular. It's really the first wee bit in the New Testament that kind of points to Jesus' suffering and what was to come to him when we're reading through his story. And he was going to go through all of that. All of that hatred. All of that for us. For you, for me. Mm-hmm. He was going to have to bear all of that and take all of that and take aboard all of our sin. Go through all of that. Mm-hmm. And this was God and this child redeeming the world to himself. And this was God saying, Guys, I love you this much. How much do I love you? <coughs> this much. I have stepped down into a dark place to be your light and to bring you up. And the sword will pierce your own soul too. What must Mary have thought as a mother looking at her baby? She must have thought, what's ahead? What's going to happen? To some, he would be saviour, he would be lord, he would be king, he would be messiah. To others, he would be a liar, a thief, a troublemaker, a rebel. To all, he would be a revealer of truth and secrets hidden. Jesus speaks about himself like that in Luke 20. And later, the apostles spoke of him in this kind of way. Uh, About him being a stumbling block. Acts 13, verse 47, it says, I have made you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. When the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and honoured the word of the Lord and all who were appointed for eternal life believed. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 23 we read, But if we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, but to those whom God has called both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than man's wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than man's strength. And Peter says in 1 Peter 2, 6-8, to 
See, I lay a stone in, for in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders has rejected has become the capstone, and a stone that causes men to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. Simeon was just a man, but a righteous and devout man who was waiting to see a promise fulfilled. God was gracious to Simeon and saw his heart <coughs> and allowed Simeon a glimpse of the Messiah before he died. We have so much more knowledge than Simeon had. We have so much more opportunity. God has done so much for us. We have so much to be thankful for. Let's all give God his place. Let's say with Simeon's sovereign Lord. Let's put him first, honour him. Let's see him as the God of the everyday and the mundane. And let's take every opportunity that God presents to us in the everyday and the mundane to show his love and his light to those around us this Christmas who are still sitting in darkness because they haven't seen the light of Christ yet. They haven't got the light of Christ in their lives. They haven't recognised who he is in the land of the living. Let's not waste opportunities. But let's, as we go into Christmas, let's worship God for who he is. Mm -hmm. And give him all we are. That his glory, his light, and the answer to his promise, we might see his promise fulfilled for Bonex yeah. in this place. Amen. As we work for him and give him his place mm. in the everyday and the mundane. Mm. Thank you, God, for your word. Mm -hmm.